Hallelujah. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Let me start by welcoming our friends who are joining us via live streaming this morning and your distinguished selves to give yourselves a round of applause. Now the one you're going to give to him who alone has been able to make you come here. It can't be at the same level of yours. To the Lord eternal. Hallelujah. I pray that as the word comes forth this hour, that you will be richly blessed and enriched in Jesus' name. I count it a very serious privilege to stand before you because I know that if I had my way, I wouldn't be standing here. But he knows, and I need to follow his way. His ways are not my ways, neither are his thoughts mine. And so I stand before you this morning as a trophy of grace saying to you that which you declared that which he declared is standing right before you that could be you that could be you and that could be you someday your time will come your time is here in the mighty name of jesus friends in the last few weeks we have been richly blessed by a plethora of messages and these messages have centered on our spiritual and psychological development Pastor has painstakingly taken us through a series titled, All Men and All Things Are Not Equal. And that centered essentially on three anchors of purpose, priority, and productivity. Specifically during the opening week of this month, we had an excellent time in the presence of God as we received a fresh dimension of the person, the power, and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It is within the ambit of that renewed consciousness that I found myself taking a journey of introspection into my past. The present with a clear projection of what the future holds. And so when I listened to Kunle share his testimony this morning, I said, this man tapped into that which has been in my heart. I tell you, I kid you not, that all the moments we've received and I just sit there and say, Lord, so truly that all men are not equal. It's, it is true. You know why? Because some are distinguished. And everyone that is not is almost extinguished. Because he or she does not believe that he can be distinguished. But I thank God that he has given me strength and purpose. That I want to stay in the midst of those that are distinguished. And I believe that is your own cry too. And the Lord himself will take us through this journey. So it is with this strong sense of duty that I present my contemplation in the form of a message titled, 
defining moments that make life count. Defining moments that make life count. I want you to understand that this really is a, it's really a contemplation. I, I, in the last six weeks plus, I have just taken myself way back. And a lot of things that I didn't even realize that God in his infinite mercies had been walking around me, working for me. When we finished classic, I now said, now I know. Now I know. I'll give you an example. When we are going to get married, or no, married was still far. When I met my wife in 1991, I met her in September. It was her birthday. Now the full gist of it will come out in my book. So wait till then. But here's something that will tell you how far classic took me. And then we met and somehow uh, we're friends. You know, details you get in the book. I know your ears are itching to hear you. Not too light gist. But I'm going somewhere. So one of those days I decided to visit her. She was staying at Antony, two bedroom flat. And I got there and uh, she wasn't around. My mother-in-law was there. And my mother-in-law entertained me. She brought out all the magazines in the house. They were this high. And she said, your friend is coming. She's coming. Just wait for her. And I waited. And we gisted and gisted. I waited and waited. At the point, I had to say, Mama, guys get to move. But I left. Unknown to me, when Susu came back, the mom said to her, now, we didn't cross swords until much later when we about getting married. So I didn't know. The mom said to her, tell me, who is that young man that came? Said, he's my friend. He said, mm, I'm your mother. Tell me truthfully, who is he? And she kept saying, mommy, there's nothing. We are just friends. He said, mm, that's your husband. Now, could mama have tapped into her own senses? No. Now, fast forward to my own, November, that same year. That was October. I went, you know, then we're friends. I had to put some things in my house. I'd secured a small apartment at Isaliaruno. Isaliaruno. When you are getting there and you are driving, your car will be doing crook, 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 crook. <laughs> it took testimonies for you to come and see me there. And so I decided to go and buy what a bachelor would need for his pad. So she went with me and her friend, who turned out to be our chief bridesmaid, Egono. That was our trade fair. There was, you know, they normally had a trade fair at that period, November. And I said, my parents stayed in Satellite Town. Let's branch. Let's say hello to my dad. We got in there. Apparently, two nights before, my father had a dream. And a young boy came into the compound then and sat with him at the flower bed. And he came and he was asking after me. And my dad said, Idorin has left the house long ago. But sit down, my son. And then he woke up. He tapped my mom and said, your son is coming with a visitor. I didn't know. And so in December of that year, I walked over to my father. I got, I got home very early in the morning. I said, bros, my father looked at me. We call him, his name is Asuko, so I call him Oso Asuks. I said, Oso Asuks, I, I want to get married. He said, ah, to who? I said, remember that day 
um, I came. You asked me a question. Because my father pulled me and said, which of these two is your own? I said, none. And what is it? And he asked me again, in our language, they didn't understand. He said, which one is your own? I said, Kudana, none. He said, no. Finally, I said to him, is that one on the left? He said, okay. He didn't say anything. So when I went to him in December, he now shared that prayer with me. And he said, son, I'd already seen that you brought your wife to see me. The Lord has shown me. Friends, I can tell you, after classic, I began to look at moments in my life. And I realized the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, had enveloped me in his presence. And the Holy Spirit had gone ahead to set some things in place. And I didn't know that I stepped into grace. So you'll understand why this message is titled, Defining Moments that make life count. I've come to realize that Almighty God has set special moments in our lives to distinguish us in several facets, and that applies to our careers, our marriages, ministries, and everything. So I've chosen these three main texts of scripture to bring this contemplation to the fore, as I believe the stories will expound the essentials of purpose, priority, and ultimately, Productivity. You must be able to touch. You must be able to see. You must be able to measure. And so, we're looking at the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. For the, for the essence of time, I'm not going to read through all, but I'll go into the specific verses that actually bring this contemplation and the context to life. We'll also be looking at chapter 2 and verses 8 to 11. And 14 to 23. So you'll be banking in those same buckets. And of course, we'll step into another terrain. It's the terrain of 1 Samuel. We'll be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. And we'll make a touch into the New Testament. Looking at Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. And if, the, if time permits, we can step into Matthew 20. Because there are a lot of idle people in the marketplace. But please permit me to lay some foundation before we get into the scriptures. So that we can grasp the context of this contemplation. Number one. A defining moment is described by the Oxford Dictionary as an event which typifies or determines all subsequent related occurrences. Number two. A defining moment is a point in your life when you are urged to make a pivotal decision or when you experience something that fundamentally changes you. Like I did mention to you that the week of classic dealt some serious, real awakening blows to my system. I've not recovered yet. For me, it was a DM. Now for the young ones who are fond of DMing on Twitter, Instagram, when you DM from now, just know that it's a defining moment. That's my DM. It's a DM indeed. Number three, a defining moment is one of those times where depending on the moment and how you react to it, your life could go one direction or another. Sometimes we refer to this juncture as a crossroad. Every defining moment has three characteristics. There's a place. There's a package, and there's a person. I said there's a place, meaning a location. There is a package, meaning the circumstance, the environment, 
and there is a person involved. With that context in mind, I want you to please turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth. And I want to start by reading the opening. You know, there's that frame that comes into every Bible. Um, like Pastor will say, if you have my kind of Bible, make myself feel, feel cool. The book of Ruth. Ruth is a cameo story of love, devotion, and redemption set in the black context of the days of the judges. It is the story of a Moabite woman who forsakes her pagan heritage in order to cling to the people of Israel and to the, and to the God of Israel because of her faithfulness in a time of national faithlessness. God rewards her by, begin, by giving her a new husband, Boaz, a son, Obed, and a privileged position in the lineage of David and Christ as she is fondly seen as a great-grandmother of David. Pause. One of the things that you tend to do before you get on a journey, you have a destination in mind. So what I've done is to give you the picture of the destination because I'll be using this text of scripture and I'll be camping around here a bit more than every other place so you can understand what I am trying to make inference about. Remember, it's about the defining moments that do what? That make life what? Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles to Ruth. Ruth chapter 1, I know you are there. Now, like I did say, for the benefit of time, you're going to have me, you know, run through. I'm going to highlight what I call defining moments within the context. There are so many. But please permit me to sit within the ambits of the ones that I think are critical within my own lens. It's my contemplation. Your own contemplation can take you in a different way. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's start with verses 3 to 5. He says, Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Opa, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. That was one defining moment. The darkest hour for a woman. She has just lost her husband. And then she had some consolation. And yes, I have two sets of families that are going to move and keep me. And all of a sudden, the two sons pass on. Let's shift gears a bit. Let's move to verse 8. Verse 8, it says, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each, of each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me, dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Then they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. This was another defining moment. When she said to them, ladies, why are you following me? Go back. Go back to your kindred. Go back to your mother's house. And they said, no. We will return with you. Please shift gears to verse 14. Verse 14, and it says, it reads, and I quote, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Opa kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. A defining moment. 
It's a decision. One decided to say, you've given me this ad so many times. You've bombarded me with this message. I think I agree with you. When I look up, I look down the road. Mama, Mama Naomi, thank you very much. God bless you. Hug, kiss, bye-bye. And another decided that she was going to stay. A defining moment. Let's shift it a bit to verse 16. But Ruth said, this was after in verse 15, maybe we'll back up to 15, it says, and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Verse 16 now. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and I. Another defining moment. But this was a very special moment because at this stage, Ruth had made up her mind to stay, but she did something different. It culminated in her making a vow. If you want to understand the import of what I'm saying, turn your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 4. We'll look at that 4 and 5. It reads, and I quote, When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. I recall some weeks back when this servant of Afsia was speaking around the citadel, and he said, most of us made pledges and those pledges because of circumstances, etc., etc. You've not been able to meet those, well, by the auspices of the office. I declare you free. Many of us wouldn't have understood the essence of it. I'm letting you see that the vow is a vow. It's better you don't say anything. And so at that stage... Imagine Ruth making such categorical statements. How many of you would do that in that situation? Ruth was willing to give up the security and children in order to care for Naomi. But Opa left. And that was where our chapter closed in history. I never read of her again. I don't know if you did. But a new vista was opened. And so the book continued. Let me pause here briefly and share a personal story and especially sharing this story because of my young friends. When I say young friends, those that you know you're just starting life, and this story I hope will bless you. I'll try to summarize it, but again, it's one of the things that I've put in my book, my memoirs that will be out this year by the grace of God. So you can read details because, hey, there's a place, there's a package, and there's a person. But if you do not have purpose, abuse is inevitable. If you don't have priority, there can't be productivity. And so this young man, in 1989, after my national service, it was time to job hunt. And like every young graduate at the age of 23, I definitely needed a job like yesterday. So I applied to several organizations. But cutting through the chase, let me tell you, I actually wanted to be a banker. Not just a banker, a merchant banker. And I've been told that with a second-class upper degree and with the relevant disciplines, one will just get a foot at least in the door. By God's grace, I made the grade. And I had a honors degree in economics, but the job didn't come. So if you're out there, you're young ones, you'll say, this time, your time, uh-uh, 
If I tell you how our own time was, it was almost like this time. The only difference is that you people have mobile phones. What we had was chloroform. When you stand from your neighbor and say, Hey, bros, now chloroform, now echo. But you speak into a device. That's the difference. Finally, in December, that was in 89, after having sat for several aptitude tests and interviews with Guinness, IMB, and Shell Petroleum, IMB then was International Merchant Bank. I was nervous. Those were the three that had closed in on me. I was nervous but hopeful. And so as we moved into 1991, January, that is 89 to 90, I did my service in 89, and this was 90, 1990, December. So we moved into 1991, January. I then made a vow to God, and I said, whichever of these three companies that offers me a letter of appointment first will be the one I will go with. Not very long in the course of that month, I was in a house in Satellite Town, lying down, listening to music. And then my younger brother ran to me and said, Bros, they call me Big Bros. He said, Big Bros, there's a man at the gate looking for you. He says you should come. I said, who? I got there. It was a dispatch rider from Guinness. And this guy gave me a letter to sign. I signed it and I went inside. Guess what? It was a letter of appointment. Hallelujah. Amen. You're not shouting because it wasn't you. <laughs> a lot of you are looking for jobs. I was. But I made that vow. Whether I understood the import of it, time will tell. And I will tell you what that time is now. And so, my salary was 10,000 naira per annum. Basic salary. Base salary. 10,000 naira. Two weeks after, I got a letter from Shell. The letter from Shell came. It was a pre, you know, pre-employment I needed to do pre-employment medical. The job was there, subject to my passing the medical. And so, it wasn't a coincidence. Guinness asked us to resume March 3rd. That was the day they fixed for my medical. And then, I now heard a whisper from the cloud that the salary they were giving to us then, the new trainees, was 110,000 naira. I am not kidding you. These are things that are written. They are there. And I have witnesses like Pastor Jose. Fufuenik Funkakbo will tell you. I stood there, but I made a decision. Defining moment that had to make or break me. Today I look back and I know that God was with me. Now you understand what I'm saying. I decided to go to Guinness. March 3rd, I came to Obabri. That's where they took us to. 11 of us, minus Fufain, he went to the Shell interview. How many of you today will do the same? But you know what? After that, so many things changed. Five years after, the same Shell called me back to come and take on the role because my friend Fufain or my colleague got in in 97. And guess what? Community relations officer. I flew into Portacot, then I moved into Coca-Cola. When I got there, they said to me, went through, you know, the usual. And one day we are done. Once Shell, they all know how. You take exam, take exam. They'll come back and say, one, two, three, four, five. 
Um, if you hear your name, <laughs> stay. Then the real. <laughs> I was in that final set, and we now had face to face interviews. At the interview, they now said to me, Well, we want you to come in as a CRO, community liaison officer. This is the package. And I said, Is there a car? They said, No, it's um, monetized. Uh-huh. I said, Is there a mobile phone? They said, uh, That is all. No, all of those will give you cash. Where I was sitting, I had an official car, Toyota Corolla, white, parked in my house. I didn't pay extra. I had not nine knots strapped here. Uh, my number was 403-149-090. And I opened it for them to see. And I got up and I said, I said, I'm sorry. The offer is not what I want. And I took a dive. I walked away. I didn't know that God was teaching me how to walk away from nonsense. That's why I can walk away from anything. I didn't realize it was the presence of God. Friends, Naomi did everything to make sure Ruth went back, but she didn't. What are those defining moments in your life where you have to make decisions? Let us go back to Ruth. Now I'm going to hasten because of time. But I hope the import of the message begins to let you reflect And look at it, if you think that you are wondering, you are not wondering, you consist. Your life is here in Christ with God. And the decisions when you want to take, and you don't know what to do, but if your heart is yielded, the Holy Spirit will direct you aright. Think about my parents. Think about Susu's mom. And today, I know if I had married another person, I know there's no way we'll be together. I'm telling you. This woman is specially branded and made for me because my middle name is Trouble. I like, I enjoy trouble. If, and I always say, if you don't trouble your trouble, your trouble will trouble you. So I enjoy trouble. Whether we cooperate, <laughs> I was MD of Samsung. The Koreans, even my president, then KK Park, cannot come into my office. He will knock. In L'Oreal, when white men see me, they run. I'm not kidding. I was one black man they couldn't intimidate. Because Christ in me was the hope of glory. I didn't beg to get any position. My confidence was in God. But then I had to have substance. And I'm coming there. A lot of us are empty vessels, nothing inside. And so when you shake in a kukukum, it's like coins being dropped in an offering bowl. When you drop a note in an offering bowl, you don't go hear sound. Because still majestic like the lion people will get and then they shout but those ones will not get when the time comes make a decision you go with the way of lot may we not go the way of lot Elaine in Jesus name defining moments that do what that make life count start thinking about yours I'm going to rush through this with the context of stepping into chapter 2 if you go with me into chapter 2 let's quickly look at verses 8 to 10 another defining moment I want to submit to you, I believe with all of my heart, having read the scripture and gone through this several times, over and over, not just today, not just yesterday, that Boaz represents a type and shadow of the trying God. He was a comforter, a helper, a provider, a redeemer, an instructor. He gave an instruction to Ruth and said, do not glean in another field. Many of you have received instructions. Do not glean in another field. 
if you were Ruth, you would say, make her just peep, see. He also implored her to keep her focus, consecration and sanctification. She needed to be set apart because there were destiny helpers already programmed, already kept, already positioned to provide her with water and whatsoever she needed. Why do you fret? Why do you struggle? Your heavenly father has provided for you. But many of us are struggling because we want to do it in our strength, in our capacity. And the Bible tells us, by means of strength. Now you see the essence of the Holy Spirit. There was an instruction. How many times has God through the Holy Spirit given us instructions, yet we choose to go away and do our own thing and then wonder why it is not working? If you are like my friends in Ghana, if they're watching, they say it's not working. Brothers, sisters, it's not working. Charlie, I said, Charlie, my uh, pastor, cut, cut prophecy for me. Cut, cut. Just cut. It's not working. Cut, cut it. Cut that prophecy. And that's why they are cutting. They keep cutting. Ruth's life exhibited admirable qualities. She was hardworking, loving, kind, and faithful. She had a good reputation. The active word there that strung all of that was consistency in all areas of our life. Your reputation and mine are formed by the people who watch us at work, in town, at home, and even in church. At the end of the day, when you look at it, when pastor says all men are not equal, and all things are not equal, it tells you that even that which you have, your character, has already distinguished you from the pack. And so you become a distinguished gentleman. You become a distinguished lady. But many of us are distinguished because our character, our reputation is nothing to lose. Now fire, you know, police in my village, if you are going to Ikorokone those days, they'll say, um, my friend, do you have great or Sofaifa Defi? I will explain. Cool down. Don't be like my wife. When we got married, one of my cousins came home. I went to her and said, Auntie, where the Vum? She said, eh? Vum. <laughs> she now came to me and said, we just about two weeks into our marriage. He said, Auntie, wait till me Vum. I said, no, Vum. Just give her Vum. <laughs> so, it's part of the ticket. Now, so if you are driving on a bar road, then they will tell you, they used to ask for the rate or survival levy. So, the way they will say is, my, uh, a long rifle. Where's your dread or survivor defi? <laughs> and after that, when you show that, they say, Where's your fire? <laughs> and you say, uh, Fire. <laughs> he say, He I say, Fire. <laughs> fire extinguisher. <laughs> a round of applause for my acquiring people. There's nothing. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. But, friends, a key reflection point. Is there anyone out there who feels like a destitute? Who feels forsaken? Life around you is collapsing. You believe your case is so bad. Can your case be worse than that of Naomi's? I want to say to you, wait on the Lord. I say wait. He will renew your strength. Or are you wondering, when will I find my life partner? When will I get this job? I shared my own testimony with you. How that vow, I shared what Ruth did, and when we get to the next character, you'll see. Is it about that next job? 
What do you want to do with that job? Is it for you to display the pleasures of a new car? Or that you want God to use that job to manifest his glory? I want you, if you are in that state, to rise up. And let's move to Psalm 130. If you know you are in that state of despair, if you know that that, you are in that state where you feel destitute, you feel forsaken, things are not lining up, I want to share that prayer with you. I want you to see that your hope is in the name of the Lord. Psalm 130, please. Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I cried unto you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul, you know, in King James says, my soul doth wait. And in his words do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those that who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Pause. Oh Israel, I want you to plug your name there. Oh Idorean, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. And with him is what? Abundant redemption. And he will redeem Idorean from all his iniquities. You don't need too many sinners' prayers. This is one that will sink in with the Holy Spirit. Whatever circumstance, situation you are going through, it's nothing compared to what God wants to do with you. Can I hear a good man? I want to close this whole, let me wrap the Ruth session up, especially because of the people that feel they are forsaken. Remember, the story started with our mother-in-law, Naomi. And then we have a new actor in the scene called Ruth. Go with me to Ruth chapter 4. Let's look at another major defining moment. Quickly to verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. How could that be possible? Well, if you want the details, go to chapter 3. You'll understand some few defining moments that were set there, but all backed in obedience. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. That nourisher in the middle column says the sustainer. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has born him. Finally, then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Brethren, something happened there. There was a change of identity. Two women who started out with nowhere, no place. They were destitute. They were forsaken. There was nothing happening around them to suggest that they will have life again. But the Lord stepped in. That's why the book of Ruth is about love. It's about devotion. It envelopes the totality of the triune God. And all of a sudden, the identities change. Naomi was called all kinds of... I mean, I imagine the package. Remember I said the package, the place, the person? The package would have been the label. Every, every package has a label. They would have called her all sorts of things. They would have called Ruth all sorts of things. But there was a change of identity. I declare by the word of the Lord that everywhere you have received shame, you will receive fame in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever name, whatever label they had labeled you in the past, they with their own mouths just come and rejoice. And they will tell you that there's a new song in the house. Can I hear a good amen? 
Can I hear a louder amen? amen? If you truly believe that your situation has changed, can I hear the loudest amen? amen. Let's quickly jump to the second character in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. We'll be looking at Hannah. And this is very interesting also. There are commonalities. 1 Samuel chapter 1. When you find people mock you, what they don't know is the next chapter. What they know is just about this chapter. What they see is this verse. They don't know that verse. Tell your name or they don't know that verse. They know this verse. But they don't know that verse. And just imagine me sitting there. I, each time I think about it and I say, if I had gone to Shell, my career would have been a disaster. I'm telling you. Friends, God has been good in me and with me. I'm telling you. See, it got to a point when uh, Samson came to hire me. And uh, one, I've told you this story before. I had the guy called me from nowhere. He said, oh, oh, Mizu. Oh, uh, want to meet the president? Oh, oh, that's the way they speak. Oh, oh. if she was here, she would. She would know French people more. She's more French than Asian. And I picked the phone. I said, "Who is this?" He said, "Oh, my name is oh, oh. I didn't hear what he was saying. <laughs> Sha, everything jam, frequency. And you know, if he was Chinese, I'll be able to say that himself without And then you look like <laughs> you say, "Oh, he too now say pardon." <laughs> but this one, I couldn't. But time came when we wanted to talk and I said to them, guys, first of all where do you want us to meet? They said in the office, I said no, 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 I can't come to your office you know, I was a, an executive director in Cadbury and Cadbury is on, if anybody picks it the next thing it will be on planet share I said no, I said it has to be a discreet chat, they said come to your office, I said I'm not coming, we'll look for a nice place do you know, because of me they declared public holiday for the office, I'm not kidding friends there are things that you need to hear someday and you don't know what is in you. Well, I know what is in me. What is in you? You are the one to determine it. I don't know. We had that meeting. When we sat down, this Korean man looked at me and he said, Oh, well, you know, so we make over. I said, just like that. I said, my friend, write me. He said, okay, we write uh, tomorrow. My friend Androde, Androde, he works with NLNG. I lie not to you. I can still give you that text. The next day, they sent me an offer. The offer was $23,500 per month. Incentive, 1,000%, six, six months. $23,500 per month. That was what they just said. You know, go back and start checking exchange. <laughs> then I looked at him. I called the man. I said, I'm a big fish. You can't attract me with this kind of thing. You're not serious. I said, if you're serious, put $100,000 in my account. Then I know you're serious. Friends, 15.7 million landed in my standard chartered account. When I saw the alert, I said, huh, let's talk. <laughs> you think I came through all of these processes just to come and someone will come and devalue me? No, I made a vow. And my God had kept me. The same way he kept Jacob. That he laid his head. He didn't know that he was touching God. And so anytime I open my mouth and I say, this is what I want. It's exactly what happened. I can tell you the story of L'Oreal another day. Not too light just. 
for want of time. But I hope you understand how defining moments can actually make a change. Let's quickly go through Anna. Just like we saw with the case of Naomi. Here is Anna, a woman who had a barren label. Anna means favor or grace in Hebrew. Yet God himself shot the defining moment was in verse 6 where Penina continued to provoke her almost to the point of misery. But guess what? Go to verse 11. That was the catalyst. That prayer and vow made all the difference. And so by verse 17 when there was a proclamation by Eli, it was a done deal. I want you to know that Hannah must have been pushed to the wall. And rather than speak to her adversary, she made a solemn vow to God. And her prayer of petition was misconstrued initially by the high priest, by Eli. Many people who are not in the arena of your life, who are just spectators, could derail where you are going. They could derail you by snide remarks, but you have to keep the focus. Don't be distracted. Tell your neighbor, don't be distracted. Be persistent. Let's quickly look at the New Testament. Here, like I did say, the main focus was Ruth. I'll look at a man called Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. You can go home and read all of that. But for me... The defining moment here with Zacchaeus meeting the Lord, it presented an opportunity for him to bear fruit, the fruit of what he, of repentance. Here was a rich man who was a tax collector and he desperately wanted to see the Lord. He was very purposeful in getting to meet Jesus. Everyone say purpose. He made it his priority and he knew that he was you know I... I have a very good friend in the house who is a co-pilot of mine. We share the same. In the days I was in ushering department, we had three guys who were very brief. I used to call them three wise men. Brashwande will remember those guys. We still have some wise men in our midst. Zacchaeus was a wise man. And the man knew that for him to optimize his wiseness, he had to climb a sycamore tree. But that brought out productivity because he met the exact place he wanted. He was able to meet the Lord. And the Lord himself could witness to him. Guess what? His natural defect did not hold him. There was nothing that held Hannah. There was nothing that held Naomi. There was nothing that held Ruth. But Opa decided to just remember what our friends will say. May you not be Opa. I'll quickly make a point of reference to this last scripture. Matthew 25 verses 1 to 13. You know it, you can go home and read, but it's about the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. The defining moment is in verse 6. Verse 6 to 7. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Friends, you can liken this to job or business opportunities. The word of the Lord has gone forth from this platform, from his servant, concerning our country, Nigeria, concerning our work, concerning us. Emphatically, we declare that Nigeria will be saved. Nigeria will be changed, and Nigeria will be great again in our lifetime. Some have given up that this can happen. 
In the process, they let go of everything because they are looking up to government and the economy. Some others in their chosen fields just remain as mere vessels and suddenly a door opens. It's called the door of opportunity. As I was preparing this message, something came to my mind, very strong impression by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know if it's about you watching me or listening to me. You, you work in an organization and they've been telling you that part of the agenda will be to send you out for short-term assignments. There will be opportunities for the staff. There will be opportunities to go abroad for training. But as I speak now, you don't have an international passport. Better go and get one. Or you'll be a foolish virgin. If you hear me well and you know yourself well, just do it. Because an opportunity is about to open. An effectual door is about to open. You can remain there and say, mm, I don't believe their management every year. That's what they did. The parable of the foolish virgins. And that's what we apply in our lives. Because purpose, not known. Abuse. And yet we expect productivity. It's not going to happen. So friends, what quick lessons can we draw from all of these scenarios? I'm just going to touch on two or three. And then we'll call it a day. I hope you've been blessed. Number one. Defining moments create an opportunity for God to establish his plan and purpose in your life. Number two, every defining moment is a milestone in the process towards making the person a place distinguished despite the package. Number three, when you act selflessly, others are encouraged to follow your example. Naomi's selflessness became the motivation for Ruth. Who are you motivating? Number four, Key decisions are made during defining moments. Naomi decided to relocate after her loss. Ruth decided to stay, whilst Hannah decided to take a step of faith. Both saddled in vows. And finally, I said here, whatever situation you find yourself, do not listen to the noise, the jeers, the criticisms, the backbiting like Penina. Rather, take the path of Anna and post a DBD sign. You wonder what is DBD? Don't be distracted. If you go to nice hotels, not Cherewere, they have what they call DND. Do not disturb. From now, just say to yours, let no man trouble me. Mm -mm, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the DND. The one we are talking about is DBD. Don't be distracted. Don't call it DFD or not DFD. Not DFD. I said DB, DBD. By focusing on God, by so doing, you can exchange self-pity for hope. Finally, finally, the foolish virgins represent vessels without the Holy Spirit. They, they were just mere containers, yet they had oil. And there's no sense of obedience, faith, and hope. If Naomi was faithless, Ruth wouldn't have had the impetus to follow. If Hannah had crumbled under the torture of Penina, or the slightest error of judgment by Eli, she wouldn't have had an encounter with God. Friends, the defining moments in our lives are all driven by Almighty God. If you have not come to that stark reality, that it is the presence of God that commands the miraculous, then you are living a life of pity. But there's an opportunity for you. Tell your neighbor there's an opportunity. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. The person of the Holy Spirit lives and breathes in us. All you need to do is to activate him. Because he will teach you all, both to do and to will, according to 
his good pleasures. We cannot afford to be incapacitated. Friends, if you feel you are incapacitated, I'd like to close this message as I ask you to kindly rise to your feet. And let's look at Psalm 37 and verse 37. I want you to see the end product, what God has declared from, from the beginning. In verse 1 it says, fret not yourself before cause of evildoers. I actually like it in KJV 3737, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, mark, mark the blameless man and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace. I want you to begin to declare and thank God for that future. That your future is peace. Regardless of what you're going through, mark the blameless man. Observe that upright for the future is peace. And that's why when we come here and we declare peace to ourselves, we declare peace to our households, we declare peace to all we have, we are stepping in into the terrain of God Almighty and saying, Lord, we align with you. Because you've called us blameless because of the blood your son shed on Calvary. And so this second, this moment, Father, we say thank you. As we look through the defining moments of our lives, Lord, may we not be lost in ourselves, but let us be lost in you. That will glory in nothing else but you. We thank you, Lord, that every defining moment that will make life count in us will be to bring forth your glory. We praise and we adore you, Father. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Well, I hope you were blessed. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.